2: Welcome back to Wallace Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company just gone midday on a Monday as we kick off a brand new week of the call. Uh, 10 stocks you've suggested we put under the microscope with two gurus of the uh, of the markets and uh, give you a bit of direction and speaking of gurus Uh, Let's welcome back Roger Corlett from Macro. Roger, good to have you on the team again. And our favourite Queenslander, Andrew Wheeler from DP Advisors. Uh, How are you, Andrew? You well uh, up in Toowoomba there?
1: G'day, Koshi. A few technical issues, but all sorted now. Excellent. Loving your backdrop. Well, you know, I I said I've got to turn it up for Koshi, so (laughs) not quite... Not, not quite Adelaide-esque, but you know we're we're trying, mate. We're trying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I'm I'm trying to figure out how to
2: um, how to get to Queensland for uh, for football finals over the next couple of weeks. So I, I might come up and after my quarantine, um, come up and pay you a visit and go to the Empire Theatre with you.
1: I was going to say, you can quarantine at my place, mate. You know, it's only two hours from the border. We'll look after you for a couple of weeks. Take Perfect. You to the theater. Once you can come all out, right, no problem. See if
2: you. I could get Anastasia there to, uh, to figure that out. Um, all right, let's uh, get into it. And uh, Andrew, um, uh, we always kick off with our uh, stock of the day and uh, something that's been in the news and certainly CSL. Is uh in the news at the moment of the old Commonwealth Serum Laboratory. Um, as the, the federal government has highlighted that they're they're buying two lots of vaccine, the Oxford University one and the one from University of Queensland up your way. And CSL's got to be the manufacturer of it. What do you think of uh, CSL? One of the great Australian medtechs, isn't
1: it? Yeah, look, Koshi, as you know, uh, that's one of my one of my favourites. Uh, I'd be very keen picking these up. Certainly sub 300 is certainly the, uh, the green light for me. During uh, that sort of March 23 madness it got down as low as 250 bucks. So that was just, you know, you should have been all over that like a cheap suit. But it is just a such a quality business. It's got a 36% return on shareholders funds. Uh, there's so many positive drivers. Probably one of the, the only negatives I can think of is that rising dollar. But uh, overall, very comfortable, very comfortable company. I find that most clients don't own it because they're scared of paying $280. But this is a company that is just doing so well. So I'd be very comfortable in holding on to it.
2: OK, because it seems to be um, has been bouncing off that $280 mark uh, pretty regularly over the last couple of months, hasn't it? It's sort of dropped down to 280 got into the mid-270s at one stage. but Two eighty seems to be a barrier. So you're saying any anything under three hundred CSL's good value. Get on it. Get on it. Is
1: is it in our uh, is it in our portfolio? Uh, yes, I think it is. Portfolio? It is. Yes. Good. Buy more. Buy more of it. Okay. It's great. All right. Let's see
0: what Rob thinks about
2: Rob. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah, totally agree. Anything under three hundred dollars. Uh, it's a buying opportunity, one of the great companies we've got. I think even uh, Rudy on Friday uh, yep. on the call said that's one of the, the top four or five companies, in his opinion as well. Um, look, their plasma division the was a little bit uh, underperforming on the basis that people weren't in the city to stop at the blood donation banks. Yep. Um, look, we feel as though this um, winter that's just gone by, they've only reported on one of the three months. Right. Um, by the time they report on everything, uh, I think that people have will have gone and got the vaccine, the flu vaccine, uh, right. this year. So that revenue should be uh, yeah. at an all-time high. Because so.
2: they produce the flu vaccine for Australia, don't they? It, it, They're the manufacturer of it. Yeah, exactly
0: yep. right. And obviously there's huge barriers for entry for any competition, yeah. uh, which is why they've performed so strongly. Um, growing population, you know, which is a growing market for them. Yeah. Um, look, if you get it under $300, count yourself lucky. Right. Um, make a, a sizeable allocation and then just uh, forget about it. Right um and rob's mentioning that it's business
2: it sounds almost vampirish but it's all it's all about getting blood donations isn't it and here in australia we all donate for free but they also get a lot of blood because they're big in the united states where you buy blood from people so with covid that's sort of disrupted their blood purchases from the public, hasn't it? So that's why the the share price has been under a bit of weakness. Yeah, that's right. All right. So uh, get with CSL. Uh, and Rob and I were just talk, talking before. You know, CSL, um, ResMed, Cochlear. Andrew, you'd agree. These, these are three world-class global medtechs, aren't they? And, and something that Australia should be pretty proud of that, that we produce three of those countries, uh, those yeah. companies.
1: Yeah, we're absolutely punching above our weight, uh, Koshi, in that regard. And we'll talk about ResMed in a second. But uh, my second favourite healthcare business, certainly nothing wrong with Cochlear either. Uh, we, we're certainly performing very well in that space. And even though most of the biotech space is in the US and to a lesser degree Europe, if you just want to focus solely on Australia, I think you'd be... Uh, not doing yourself any disservice by having those three that you just mentioned in your portfolio. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, they're great businesses. All right, uh, so CSL, thumbs up from both uh, Rob and Andrew. All right, let's go into our uh, first stock uh, suggested by Matt. And um, Rob wants us to take a look at um, uh, Blackmore's, Rob, the, uh, the big um, um, sort of vitamin supplement business. Um, really took off into China and Asia, a big export, isn't it?
0: Yeah, um, so global business. um, They've been impacted by COVID quite a lot. Um, Their cost of goods have gone up by about 11%. Um, That's come about from higher uh, sea and air freight costs to get their uh, their products in. They saw revenue depreciate by 3%. Uh, EBITDA was down 44%. Net profit's down 66%. Uh, look, they've got some big plans to vertically integrate. They've made an acquisition not that long ago. Uh, I think they even did a, maybe a share purchase plan as well at around $0.72 and a half cents, yeah. which raised about $140 million. Yeah. Um, But from our perspective, it's probably not where we want to be right now. Um, look, this is down 72% in the last mm. five years from its highs. Um, from our perspective, enough's enough. Um, they're not valued well enough for you to hold it and wait for them to come back. They've got a price earnings multiple of 73 versus a sector of 29. Um, you know, from a technical perspective, if they drop here below $60, um, we can see them possibly being sold off as low as $36 a share. Wow! It's it's pretty on the charts. Yeah, from wow. a technical perspective, it's actually pretty scary where they sit at the moment. Jeez. Um, so look, we would. Say, so, look, if you get an opportunity uh, to sell the stock on a rally, anything up to 70, 75, probably take it. Right. Um, we would probably want to see um, the vertical integration of their business actually take place uh, yeah. before we would go in there and actually. So, so buy. they've
2: uh, bought a factory, haven't they? Whether they're going to start producing themselves, which is a bit in the, in the past, they've um, it's probably a crude uh, comparison. They've been what A2 has been to milk because AT doesn't own any dairies. Uh, Blackmore's has been like that in vitamins. They bought exactly. the vitamins from other manufacturers. Now they're going to manufacture themselves. Yeah, 100%. Would that be right?
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, look, they've actually got a little bit of um, work in the infant uh, formula as well. they moved into Vietnam, got $20 million in revenue there. It's about 4% of their earnings. Right. So they're expanding everywhere. They've got a new product called Be More. Um, which is where you jump online, you you tell a little bit about yourself and they suggest four supplements that could be good specific for yourself. So they're obviously trying to enter that digital space. Um, Unfortunately, with COVID and households having diminishing um, incomes, this is probably one of those areas where it's more of a discretionary spend, which is probably why their sales have been a bit lackluster.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And um, Andrew, they've... Uh, dominated China. There've been a few headwinds there that that gave the share price a kick up to 100 bucks at one stage, didn't it? And they they've had a few uh, management issues too, haven't they? Sort of uh, they've lost a few
1: executives. Koshy, you're talking them up. Um, they uh, <laughs> 200 220 dollars was its high back in 2015. Um, About 20% of their revenue comes from China. Now, whether that's a good or a bad thing at the moment, I'll I'll let your viewers decide that. To me, it's probably more of a headwind in the short term. Um, Look, I I can think of lots of reasons like Rob not to own these. Um, Rob took most of my speaking points. No, only kidding, Rob. Um, Probably the... uh, No, it's okay. We'll we'll, we'll work it out (laughs) afterwards. Um, Probably the key one for me, that return on equity is 6% and its profit margin is 3%. And if we in you just mentioned a milk before, you know, a milk is 40% return on equity and a 22% profit margin. So when you're looking at businesses and, you know, it's sort of fundamental analysis, you're saying, right, well, what areas do I want to be exposed to? So I want to be exposed to infant formula. So what what are some of the businesses that I can be looking at? Well, you know, I could look at, you know bubs, or I could look at, um, you know, Blackmores, or I could look at A2. And well, how are they using because again, part of the game is, it's um, shareholders return on my money, how much money are they making with my money. So I give Blackmores my money, and they make 6%, which isn't too bad, if I stuck it in the bank, I'd be lucky to get anything, but they're making 6%. But they're taking a fair bit of risk to do it. And all the factors you just mentioned, I give that same money to A2 milk, and they're making 40% with my money. Who am I going to choose? It's pretty simple. So yep. uh, I'm, I'm out on this one. I'm sorry.
2: Okay. All right. So I know for Blackmores, but uh, on the charts, that lo- looks really precarious if it drops to 60. It's a good thing to watch out for, uh, Rob. Appreciate that. All right, Andrew, uh, Blake has asked for a view on that. We've been talking about Great Australian MedTechs, uh, ResMed, um which is the uh the sleep apnea uh, machines that they produce and sell around the world um how's resmed traveling
1: yeah look i like it a lot koshi uh as we just mentioned before um it's in that sort of triumvirate of cochlear and and resmed and also csl so certainly we we like it a lot i, I probably the key number that stands out to me is that total return so i look at its share price growth and uh, any dividends, which from memory I think from Resmed is nil, but its share price growth over the last five years, and it's returned 28% per annum. So let's compare that to the total return of the ASX over that same period of time. That's seven and a half percent. So if I stuck my money into the top 200 companies across Australia, I would have made seven and a half percent per annum over the last five years by giving it to Coch- uh, by giving it to Resmed rather. Uh, they've made 28% per annum over the last five years. And of course, Koshy, you're aware of the rule of 72. No, what's the rule of 72? Oh, come on, Koshy, you're an accountant. <laughs> the rule of 72. Help me out here. So if you want to find out how long it's going to take something to double, you divide it into 72. Huh? So we'll make it we'll make it really easy. So it was 24, right? So what we're basically saying is the share price in that particular example, the share price would double every three years doing better than 24 it's actually doing 28 so uh, rule of 72 is always a good one to know but equally so they are returning total return 28 percent per annum over the last five years now that takes into account everything that we just went through in that March April crazy mm-hmm. period as well okay really good business sadly doing well at the moment because they're selling lots of respirators which is probably not such a good thing and their sleep apnea business in the short terms under a bit of pressure but as things return to normal uh, then you would certainly expect that uh, the sleep business to do okay. They're also moving into sort of cloud-based software as well. So no, we, we really like this one trading well under consensus. Consensus is about 26 bucks. They're trading at 24. So very relaxed with this one as well. I like it. Okay.
2: All right. Uh, Rob, what do you think of resume?
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, look, this is probably the toughest call for us. Um, I lost a bit of sleep, um, you know, thinking <laughs> over this one. Look, they are a great business, um, all their numbers actually came out pretty good, uh, revenue was up 13%, EBITDA was up 22%, net profits up 3%, uh, dividends were up 4%. All that being said, it does uh, feel to us as though, as Andrew just touched on at the end, um, the ventilating or ventilator sales seems to be uh, hiding this slight drop off in demand for sleep apnea products. Um, you know, obviously, again, discretionary spend. Uh, if, if budgets are getting tighter, and you don't already know that you need to have some sleep apnea um, mm. assistance, you're probably not rushing out there to spend the $150 they ask for you to take the sleep apnea test, or then following on and buying all the product. Um, The other thing to know about this stock is it actually trades on the US, and so there is definitely arbitrage happening between the two. It was off on the US on Friday, so it's no surprise to see it off again here today. It's a 10 for one. Um, There's definitely arbitrage going on. So we saw in, uh, I think, August, there was about um, uh, 650,000 common stock which trades on the US, converted into about 6.5 million CDIs here in Australia. Um, yet, if you go back to May, it was the other way around, There's about 7 mm. million CDI converted. So there's definitely institutional forces here at play, um, you know, trying to find a, a mispricing between the Australian market right. and the um, New York market. That being said, despite all the all the lovely things, the great revenue, the EBITDA, it's probably just not ready for us to buy it. At the um. moment, we need to see some things turn around. We do like what Andrew said about the moving into the software um, as a service. That's accounting for about seven or increased seven percent. And that's monitoring the outpatients um, from hospitals yep. now that they can't stay there. Um, but for us, we, we probably couldn't buy it right now. If you've okay. got it, sure, and you're happy long-term investor, hold it for sure. Okay. Um, otherwise, if you're wanting to be a little bit more actively managing it, we could even um, lighten it on, on a rally. But uh, okay. we would definitely not stepping in and buying it just yet.
2: Okay. All right. So, so a hold if you're in it with ResMed and if you're, if you're looking to buy a weight on. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Jim wants a, wants a view, Rob, on Citadel Group. Now, this is a... Um, I, when you read the description of companies like this, they all t- tend to blur into each other, but it's a almost like a project management software business, isn't it? Uh, it says that uh, specialises in managing information in complex environments through integrating know-how systems and people to provide information on an anywhere, anytime basis. So, basically... Um, uh, Andrew, um, Citadel Group is uh, sort of a tech business, platform business.
1: Yeah, I was with you, Koshy. I'm, I mean, as we, as we said many times, I love doing this segment apart from, you know, our, our chats, um, but also relating <laughs> to just learning about new companies, you know? Yep. And um, one of the things that, yeah, you know, I hadn't had a lot to do with Citadel, but you're right, you read the description, you go, what is this about? Uh, and they, you know, they talk about verticals and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, the way that I sort of simply understood it was that, uh, as you said, they're sort of like a know-how business. Um, in particular, they're exposed at the moment to universities and whether that's such a good thing at the moment relating to what's going on with uh, full fee-paying overseas students, that's certainly putting their business under a fair bit of pressure. Uh, they've just taken on a fair bit of debt buying a business in the UK, that being acquisition. A couple of amber flashing lights for me one of them relating to the chair having sold 40 percent of their holding over the last 12 months that's probably not what you like to see the other one having a bit of a good look at the balance sheet was actually looking at what makes up the asset base so obviously you like to see cash you like to see tangible assets but also when you look at a balance sheet there's a little thing called intangible so that's things like goodwill and in the case of citadel um goodwill or intangibles make up about a third of their total assets and the reason that makes me nervous and again dare i pick on you for being an accountant again i'm married to an accountant i might add so i'm i am allowed to pick on accountants but <laughs> as you know it's very easy to actually, well, not easy, but that's one asset that can be changed yearly. There's a big test as to, well, how do you justify that goodwill and how you and I agree on goodwill might be different, whereas cash is cash. So if all of a sudden this well-being acquisition doesn't pan out so well, not only will it impact on the cash flow, but it's also going to, I would argue, impact also on that balance sheet. And then there might be issues relating to sort of solvency tests and all that sort of stuff. I'm not suggesting this business is in trouble. All I'm saying is that I get nervous when I see businesses that have a high degree of goodwill on their balance sheet. So between their business being under some pressure relating to the university piece, post-acquisition, um, a large number of intangibles on the balance sheet. I mean, the company's returned 2% per annum over the last five years. We've just heard ResMed's done 28% per annum over the last five years. I, I can think of lots of reasons just to be an interested observer and uh, not stepping mm. into this one.
2: Okay. Rob, what do you think of Citadel?
0: Look, look, I think Andrew made a really good point uh, with regards to the goodwill on a balance sheet. It really can be a place that can give um, false positives about how good a company can be. That being said, um, we're really interested with Citadel, Citadel Group. Uh, for us, we'd actually try and look to accumulate it. Um, the... the Revenue is fantastic, growing at 29.5%, EBITDA was up 25%, net profits after tax up 46%, uh, still too small to be paying out a a dividend. Um, Where we wanna focus our attention on this company is the wellbeing acquisition they made and the enterprise slash government contracts that they're trying to pick up. So the wellbeing software group holdings that they recently acquired um, works on radiology, maternity workflow solutions over in the UK. Um, that was accretive from day one. I think it's about $1.5 million worth of synergies uh, on cost savings that they can have when they incorporate it right into their business. And we only saw three months worth of those results in this oh, latest yeah. result. Yep. So 12 months from now, we'll have the full mm-hmm. year. Uh, we really yeah. think that that will add a lot of value there. Um, the gross margins for the business as a whole come in at about 43%. Um, the reoccurring, they've The got reoccurring revenue, uh, which is very high, probably about... 77% of their revenue is reoccurring and it has a 79% margin. So we like that aspect of it. Okay. But the, the really interesting part of this business is actually um, the chairman. Now, I know Andrew said that he sold out a whole whole his stock, but it's uh, Lieutenant General Peter Leahy. so uh, recipient of the Order of Australia Medal. He's also a director of CODAN Limited, uh, which is a company that we've put out to clients as a recommendation. Yep. CODAN make the... Um, Uh, metal detectors, but they also go for defense force contracts um, and where they do the military grade radio communication between defense forces, and they also supply that to the US Army at present. Um, He's also a director on a company called um, Electro-Optic Systems, which is EOS. Now, this is a very small cap company. Again, we put it out to clients uh, a while ago, made a nice little 30% pop on it. Um, They specialize in attaching remote weapon systems to military vehicles yeah it's,
2: uh, it's actually come up before here on the call it's all very star wars it he's is on up. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's
0: great um now you know here is um lieutenant the former uh well i guess he's current lieutenant general former right. um so he, yeah. he's obviously got a great yeah. network yeah. um of your relationships here on the defense force so um, we would suggest that um, this business might actually push aggressively into this government defence force contract area. Right. They did just make a, a, an acquisition of Noventus, um, paid about $21.5 million for that um, last year, and that mm-hmm. was all defence force and national security contracts focused. So okay. um, Citadel, for their expansion through the wellness being uh, division and the enterprise slash government contracts. Okay, we're okay to accumulate the stock. Okay,
2: all right. The buy it uh, at this four twenty five level. All right, um, Richard um, has asked us to have a look, uh, Rob, at Novanix. Now, it produces um, the materials for uh, for batteries, sort of targeted towards that um, electronic uh, electric vehicle and. Energy storage systems uh, it has a um, uh, pure graphite plant that it's um, um, that it's um, operating at the moment, and has also just been through uh, a, an equity raise and a capital restructuring in June to try and get that uh, uh, get that production up and going. Yes. Um, what do you think of it?
0: Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting business. There's two parts of it. There's the supplying of lithium-ion batteries to um, Samsung. They did a, a great deal with Samsung um, to develop their battery, so for your phones. Yeah. But they're also a player. And Samsung
2: have an interest in them too. I, I think they're a shareholder in it as well. I get yeah from what well, I can gather. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, The other part of their business is this electric vehicle space. And and we love the electric vehicle space. Uh, In fact, we just recently finished off uh, an IPO for a a lithium explorer producer because of the interest we've got there in the electric vehicle Mm. space. Um, These guys, basically, their IP is on the... Um, anode side of it. So in an electric vehicle battery you've got the cathode which stores all the lithium ions, you've got the anode that accepts those particles, shoots off the the electrons for the charging and then passes them back. Um, There was a a recent write up uh, in a Science Daily magazine in April um, where some scientists have been looking at, instead of using the graphite on the anode which is what this company does, they're actually looking at introducing silicone. So the problem mm. with silicone is that when the lithium ions uh, make contact, oh. it swells up to be about 300% larger, which oh. is obviously not feasible. Uh, the anode breaks, falls apart. Yep. And silicon as a pure play on creation of the, of the anode. Um, it's too soft. It doesn't withstand the pressures. So what these scientists have done is they've taken the graphite anode, they've created like this nano, um, like a beehive structure and then introduced these um, spherical um, silicone particles so that when the lithium attaches, it still retains the the 10% extra charge that that silicone Mm. has over graphite, but the swelling only goes up by about 20%. So they're currently in the process of trying to make that um, feasible for commercial production. And therein I think lies the potential risk for this business. Um, This business is all focused on um, the graphite anode if this new technology comes in, are they going to be able to shift and deliver with that? That being said, um, as I said before, we love the electric vehicle space. Um, We kind of make the electric vehicle space akin to the the gold rush of 1848. So you could either invest in um, the gold miner that might find all the gold, or you can invest in the people supplying all the picks and the shovels. So for us, our play in electric vehicles is to find lithium explorers and producers with high-quality assets who are going to supply them. Um, You know, extension of that, every time you move away from that, the risk gets slightly larger. So you've got Novonix who are working on the battery. There's a great company called Magnus Energy Technologies, MNS, if you guys want to have a look at it. Um, They recently came out with an announcement saying they can recharge 85% of an electric vehicle battery in six minutes, which is extraordinary. Um, And then, obviously, if you want to go one... Deviation removed from that, you can try and pick which um, electric vehicle manufacturer will actually we'll do well. Will, will run it. So yep. for us, yeah, we're okay to we accumulate it, but really we'd prefer to be one step back and find a good lithium okay. explorer. Because you look at
2: that twelve-month graph of if we can <coughs> share price uh, got him if we can bring it up mid mid twenty cents twelve months ago up to a dollar ninety now. Had a big run.
0: Had a huge run. Uh, and I, I believe it's up wow. again today. It's up 14% today. It's trading at Yeah, Wow. Um, Andrew, what do you reckon of Nova next?
1: I could listen to Rob describe that all day. Rob, that was uh, amazing. Thank you. Uh, seriously, that was really impressive. You've obviously done a lot of work on it for you and your clients. So well done. Um, it's a Queensland company, Koshi. So, you know. Rob, you forgot to mention that. That's my favorite I'm, I'm
0: sorry. Terrible.
1: Sorry, sorry, Andrew. Right. Rob Rob, will talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, um, Koshi, you and I spoke about this one back in late July. Yep. And at that time, the share price was $1.17. Yep. So, as you said, it's $1.90. Um, the St. Baker, uh, Philip St. Baker's involved, if you remember, uh, he turned ERM Power from a $10 million company to a $2 billion market cap. Wow. So, uh, He's got uh, NVX up to 600 million already, so he's doing pretty well there. Um, I like the fact that the Milner family through Washington sold Pats are the second largest shareholder as well. So everything um, that Rob was talking about, I think one of the reasons it's running so hard at the moment is the Tesla battery day or Tesla AGM and battery days on the 22nd of September. And I think everyone's expecting Elon to say something interesting. That's my captain obvious statement for today. So uh, certainly, you would expect that uh, there might be some positive news for that sector. Maybe, then, pretty unlikely. But th- that whole electric vehicle space is just humming along at the moment. So, yeah, certainly. I, I mean, I would struggle to pay a dollar ninety for it. But equally, so I think you and I said back in late July, gee, a dollar twenty—that's a bit rich. Um, so it's certainly. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it investable. You know, it's a punt. If you're looking for a punt, well, you've got a punt, but I wouldn't necessarily call it investment because the moment that Elon doesn't say something exciting on the 22nd of September, uh, I think there could be a few tears here. But overall, quite like it. Okay.
2: All right. Uh, Andrew, um, Peter wants a view on Galena Mining. Um, they've got really one project, haven't they? The Abra um, Lead and Silver Project and the Gascoigne region of WA uh, they've just done uh, a reasonably big raise their uh, biggest shareholder Tim Roberts who's one of the uh, uh, the poster boys of, uh, of the WA mining industry took up his uh, subscribed to 11 million shares there to start drilling and 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 proving up the Abra area with uh, in that gold and copper uh, region what do you think of
1: that yeah it's a, it's an interesting interesting space. Uh, silver and and, uh, and lead um, at this stage, it's all sort of pre-feasibility. So 14 years if they can get it up and going. Interestingly, the CEO, as you just said, has sort of taken up uh, over 100% shares, but the chair at the same time has sold off 90% of theirs. And you're like, mm, it's a bit of a disconnect. Uh, I, I guess from my point of view, it's probably a little bit too exciting. I look at the fact that there's only one broker who's following it, um, you know, with due respect, they probably help them raise the money. So they're not likely to sort of say bad things about them. Um, from my point of view, I'd much prefer to play it through something like South 32, where you're going to get that similar type of exposure through their Cannington mine in uh, in northwest Queensland. Or do you buy an ETF, something like QRE, which sort of has a diversified resource exposure? So
2: Let's just recap our first five stocks. Uh, that we've had a look at so far, in stock of the day, stock of the day was CSL. Uh, if you can get it anytime under three hundred, any three for under three hundred dollars, you can. Um, it's a good buy, according to uh, Rob it and Andrew Wheel. And uh, Blackmores no from both of them. Charts indicating, sort of according to Rob, that uh, if it breaks down below sixty. Uh, dollars a share could get down into the 30s. So uh, some real issues there for Blackmore share price. Uh, ResMed, a buy from Andrew, a hold from uh, uh, from Rob. Citadel, uh, Rob likes, a uh, good story there. Um, good executive team and directors. A no from Andrew. Um, Nicks, uh a yes from uh, from Rob. Andrew saying it's a, a, it's a, it's a smaller stock. Um, in that lithium battery area. Uh, uh, if you want to invest in it, um, see it as a bit of a punt. Uh, and Galena uh, Minerals are no. Um, Andrew's saying if, there, if you want an alternative in that space, maybe have a look at South32. South now, here on the call, we have our own portfolio since we've been, tra- we've been tracking since July 1. Any stock that gets um, two ticks, two thumbs up, from our expert panel like CSL did today goes in to the portfolio. Um, let's see how it has been looking at the moment. Uh, the week's just kicked off, it's down a quarter of a percent. In the last month, it's up a bit over 3% the portfolio and um, since the 1st of July, almost 9%. Some of the stocks that we've included um, recently, data, um, was put into the um, into the portfolio, Somnamed, um also Downer and Telstra. Uh, you can check all the stocks in the call's portfolio going to osbizco forward slash portfolio. Right, let's get into uh, the second half of the call now and our six stocks suggested by Gavin. And Andrew, uh, Gavin wants a view on Life 360. It's sort of a uh, a lifestyle platform for families isn't it um, um, uh, and and also
1: for families to keep connected a lifestyle option um, <laughs> yeah. some, some some might call it keeping an eye on your kids uh, and that's sort of really how the business started around uh, keeping an eye on, on your loved ones they've uh, that heavy sort of us centric they're now sort of involved with uh, automobile Um not even breakdowns, but you know, if you're sort of stuck and you need some help, that type of thing. Um, they've been burning through a heap of cash, Koshy. Uh, last year they burnt through about 18 million.
2: Yep. You're still there, Andrew? Oh, may have lost Andrew. Uh, um, he may have dropped out on his Skype there. Uh, Rob, what do you think of uh, Life 360?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Who would have thought that keeping track of your kids would actually be a good business? (laughs) Um, So so they did expand in the US uh, to start off with, Um, much to the grin of of, of teenagers everywhere, lots of messages saying, you know, my privacy has been taken away. Um, But somehow they've made it work. Um, You know, we've got about uh, 60% of their revenue coming out of the United States. Uh, 24% that's direct membership Uh, 24% is indirect uh, revenue from the US and they're only just starting to push into the international Mm -hmm. markets obviously that includes Australia also includes um, India, Mexico, Brazil, Thailand, Philippines, Indonesia, Turkey, Argentina so really kind of expanding rapidly Uh, revenue was great it was up 83% Um, Still not turning that profit yet, uh, which is kind of alludes to what Andrew was able to say, which is, you know, uh, burning through a heap of cash, Uh, EBITDA was negative 59%, net profits down about 50%. Um, Part of the app um, allows you to put a geofence around a particular location and to be given a notification. So when, you know, uh, your family members enter or leave, so if your kid's at school, uh, maybe it's your your partner at at home or at work. Um, so you can track people's movements that way. Um, it's used these days a lot for kids who are driving uh, yep. because it reports back to mum and dad, you know, how fast was I travelling? You know, were they speeding whilst they're using the app? Uh, it refreshes every three seconds. So that's kind of its... Comp- wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a c- competitive advantage over um, Apple's iPhone app. Yeah, of, yeah. I think there's a, there's a Find My Friends and a Find My yep. iPhone yep they refresh every 60 seconds. This is every three seconds, so they can really track where you are. Plus, um, rather than just seeing where you are right now, it can tell you where you've been, how long you were there. Um, So yeah, you really do lose your privacy if you're a recipient Mm. of this. Um, But as a business look, it seems to be working out. Um, We we could easily be made uh, to accumulate the stock for sure. Um, Yeah, it seems to be doing good things.
2: Andrew, sorry, you fell out there. Um, oh, yeah. What do you think? The, <laughs> the more Rob was telling me about it, the more I was thinking, gee, this would be good for my kids to keep tracking my uh, <laughs> my
1: grandkids. <laughs> uh, yes, have you got me, Koshy? You can hear me? Yeah, got you now. Okay, great. All good. Uh, look, yeah, look, there's lots of uh, positive things in that sort of family safety space, as I was saying before you lost me. COVID hasn't been terribly friendly to them because... There's no point keeping an eye on someone if you can just look across the dining table from them yep <laughs> uh, so yeah i i, I just that, that cash burn worries me uh I, I can certainly like you're right their main competitors are the free options from apple with find my and samsung which is sort of you know find my mobile but certainly this seems a bit more granular but bottom line they've got 50 million and they're burning through 18 every year so unless they can start doing that conversion never mind dealing with a yep. one in a hundred year health emergency uh, I can certainly see a capital raising in their life and, you know, that might be the time then to be jumping on it if they're continuing to convert their business to more of that sort of, as you said, Koshy, lifestyle type of product. So yeah. I'm an interested observer, but I'm certainly not a buyer. Okay. All right. Um, Jesse, Andrew
2: wants a view on the Templeton Global Growth Fund. This is a listed investment company um, that is in... Uh, big global companies. Uh, they've been uh, around for about 30 years, this this particular fund.
1: And um, what do you think of Templeton's global growth? Oh, uh, look, Koshi, being in a listed investment company is a tough old game at the moment. Uh, when I first started, LICs were a great place to be putting people looking for diversification. As you said, one of the first international ones. So very hard back in 1987, I think, is when they kicked off for retail clients to get exposure. The world has changed markedly since then. And uh, you're paying a pretty pretty ritzy fee. I mean, you're paying 1% per annum, with due respect. Uh, I could buy an ETF, something like, say, VGOD, which is the Vanguard hedge one. I'm going to pay 0.21 of a percent. And yeah. in essence, I'm going to get the market return. Whereas, uh, unfortunately, the, uh, the guys and girls at Templeton have not been, over the last 10 years, the market's returned 11.5%, they've returned nine. So I'm paying them a 1% fee, uh, and I haven't got the market return, whereas I can buy an ETF, which is in essence gonna give me the market return for one fifth of the fee. If you really think that you can beat markets, why wouldn't you give the money to someone like, say, Hamish Douglas at Magellan MGE, who have uh, had a pretty good run, but yeah, look, I'd find this pretty hard. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm out, I'm sorry
2: of course, speaking of Magellan, they they just passed $100 in funds under management or something today, Mm. which is pretty extraordinary. Mm. Um, Rob, what do you think of Templeton?
0: Passed an easy sell. Right. Yep. Um, So, you know, if you look at the performance of of the stock there, it's basically in line with with the market, Um, you know, as Andrew was saying, just go and buy yourself an ETF. Look, they did cut their um, management fees on their bond products recently by anywhere from 15 to 25 odd basis points. but. Um, if you're going to pay a fee uh, to these guys, you want outperformance. It doesn't yeah. seem like they're getting it here from our perspective. So um, yeah, we'd much prefer clients to go and have a look at either Magellan itself yeah. or you know the, the uh, MGG, which is the, um, the high growth fund that okay. uh, Andrew was mentioning. All right.
2: All right. Uh, next stock, um, Trish wants a view on Macquarie Group. Uh, probably you talk about the big four banks. This is the fifth one. Um, a lot more entrepreneurial um, and and industry focus um, Rob what do you think of Macquarie
0: yeah, so look, um, going back to what Rudy said on on Friday, you know, there, there are four or five companies out there that should be viewed as blue chip stocks you can put in your portfolio, forget about them. They're going to serve you well over time. Yep. Uh, he said Macquarie was one of them and, and CSL as well. Yeah. We totally agree. Macquarie should be in every portfolio. It's a really easy buy for us. Okay. Um, look, they did a, a share purchase plan um, the first half of this financial year, back at about I think it's like $120 a share. Um, raised about $1.7 billion, billion from um, instos, the rest from retail guys. Um, you know, If you're fortunate enough to get invested in that, even though it was before COVID, you're still making money. Um, yep. Look, obviously COVID's disrupting them a little bit with their revenues down 3%. Net profit was down 7%. Um, but yeah, look, we're very comfortable to pick up Macquarie Group. Uh, just be mindful of how much you're putting in. Um, we want to see kind of uh, dividends start to tick up before we yep. kind of get too aggressive, but a okay. very easy buy for us. Andrew, what's
2: your view on your old
1: alma mater? It's the only bank I would buy, Koshi, and that's right. not because I work for them, but uh, I just think the other four are uninvestable at the moment, um, given all the, the headwinds they're facing, NIM pressure, etc. Uh, very relaxed uh, with what Rob's saying. Ideally, you'd want a bad day, uh, but... Great business and, you know, again, agreeing with Rudy's comments on Friday, CSL and Macquarie would be two mainstays of any core blue chip portfolio. Yep.
2: Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, big tick both there for uh, for Macquarie. Uh, Jenny wants a view on Sea Link, which is the, uh, not only does the, uh, the Kangaroo Island ferry, if you're a South Australian, but also Captain Cook Cruises and you'll see their ferries uh, around Sydney Harbour and have a lot of, uh, of other um, accommodation um, sort of investments throughout Australia. Uh,
1: Andrew, what do you think of Sealing? Yeah, another one that we covered, oh gee, about six, eight weeks ago, and it's gone up about 10 15%. Um, so it's, quite, it's done quite well, not because you and I chose it, it's because the people <laughs> watching chose it, but it's done pretty well. 85% of their revenue comes from long-term contracts. So again, we certainly like that defensive nature of the business has been impacted by COVID of course, uh, recently added to the ASX and P300. So there's pretty strong institutional support there for it as well. Um, it's getting near consensus. It's about 520 when we were talking about it, it was 420, 430. So there was some pretty good value there. Near consensus it's getting harder to sort of say it's a buy. Uh, And the PE, you know, well over 24 times relative to its peers, which Mm. are around 18. So it's a good business, but it's run up. So ideally, you know, if the market was taking, drawing some breath, it's probably one that you'd buy then, but a very good defensive like business. Okay. So, so buy on any sort of pullback. Yeah, back in that 420s, 430s where it was when we were last talking about it, it would be good. Okay.
0: Yeah, totally agree with Andrew. Um, So this may seem like it shouldn't have performed well during COVID with, you know, travel, etc. They actually had a couple of their um, marine routes to Fraser Island, etc. actually deemed as, um, you know, essential services. So uh, they're able to keep that part of the business. They do ferries and supply
2: ships uh, to islands in Queensland. It's pretty diverse, isn't it?
0: Yeah, in fact, they just made an acquisition uh, as well, uh, getting into the the bus transport systems. So uh, Transit Systems Group was the acquisition. It's Australia's largest private operator uh, of Metropolitan Public Services. They've also got um, an arm out in uh, London and Singapore as well. So that'll be a lot more stable and defensive in nature, as Andrew was saying. Um, look, we, we agree that the price has probably run a little bit too quickly. It needs to either flatten out here or ideally uh, pull back. And, and yeah, we could probably get invested somewhere in the range of you know four fifty down to four thirty as well. Okay. Currently, it's about just over five dollars.
2: Five dollars. Yep. yep. All right. And our final stock, uh, Rob uh, Hussain, has asked for a view on Integral uh, Diagnostics. It's a medical imaging service um the fourth largest provider in uh in australia delivering uh uh, images with radiology clinics uh hospital sites and the like there there are a few of these listed on the market aren't Mm, they
0: look we don't mind this one uh we could definitely uh get involved and start to accumulate the stock uh 91 of revenue from australia nine percent from new zealand uh had revenue increase of 18 percent um ebitda was up 42 percent net profits up 21 percent so um, it's growing. It's about 860 million market cap. Um, you know, we, we like healthcare uh, sector at the moment, obviously, with COVID and everything going on. So, yeah, we, we could be, um, we, we could accumulate the stock. For okay. Sure. Andrew, what do you
1: reckon yeah. of the integral diagnostics? Yeah, as, as Rob said, COVID, and I mean, I know COVID's a big theme, of course, but COVID's really impacted them around elective surgery and people just being able to go out and use their MRI machines, etc. But uh, certainly a a, a well-run business. uh, 16% return on equity, 10% profit margin, um, trading about 10 to 15% below consensus, um, aging population. So certainly can see an ongoing need for their products. So I'd I'd be happy to uh, be buying them then. Okay.
2: All right. So uh, if we just recap our uh, last five stocks, uh, Life360, uh, rob is happy to accumulate it and know from uh, from andrew Templeton and global like pl- plenty of other different alternatives with with etfs or groups like magellan uh unanimous uh, buy on macquarie um andrew says it's the only banking buy at the moment uh c-link uh good company uh prices run up to over five dollars if there's a pullback in that 420 to 450 range, it's certainly worth looking at, turning itself into a, into quite a good defensive stock um, ceiling. So if you need that in your portfolio, it's worth watching. And integral diagnostics are yes from both uh, Andrew and Rob as well. Um, Andrew Wheelert from, uh, from DP, uh, good to see you, mate. Uh, appreciate your time today. Say hi to everyone
1: in Toowoomba for us. Yeah, thanks, Koshi, And uh, just shoot me a message later on. We'll we'll get that accommodation sorted out for you. Now. <laughs> All right, I um, couldn't think of a, a better
2: place to to quarantine than the uh, the Wheeler Mansion uh, there in Toowoomba. Uh, Rob Callan from Macro. Always great to see you, mate. Thank That's you very it. much for joining us.